All right, this morning, we are going to continue looking at the topic of prayer. Specifically, specifically, how to connect with the Father heart of God. How to connect with the Father heart of God. You see, the better you know someone, the easier it is to feel connected with them, right? The better you know someone, the easier it is to feel connected with them. And we've all met new people this year. You know, I'm still meeting, you know, new people here in, in Cornerstone at my house. Um, you're, you're meeting them on your dorm floor. Maybe your roommate's new in your, in your classes. And you strike up that conversation with them when you meet them. And you start talking and you get through, you know, the, the, the necessary small talk, right? It's, you got to start somewhere, right? And so you get through the necessary small, small talk, which isn't bad. It's important. But you can all take wrong turns in conversations, right? Um, you, you, sometimes you can take weird turns, right? Like nobody, 10 minutes in to a friendly exchange, says something like, so tell me, do you ever smoke weed before? Right? <laughs> right? Nobody does that. You need to know them for at least a semester before you get that far, okay? You need a semester before you get that far. But have you ever gotten through that small talk? Have you, ever, have you ever gotten through that small talk? And man, you just don't know what to say. And so you stand there. And it's awkward. It's just silence. And that kind of silence can seem really loud. But silence is only really uncomfortable in relationships where you lack intimacy. See, how many of you can sit in that same silence, but it's beautiful. It's transformed because you're with somebody you really care about. You see, the better you know someone, the easier it is to feel connected to them. So I love just sitting on the couch next to my family. You know, I can sit down next to my daughter, Natalie. I can say hi, nothing else. And we could just sit there and just be near her. It's affectionate. It's, it's meaningful. And many of us, we, we long for that type of intimacy with God. But when we come to him, sometimes we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Or we come to him and we just don't even know where to begin. And we want to grow in our relationship, but we really struggle to make strides in that relationship. So we need to know who he is. We need to know what his purposes are in our lives so that when we come to him, we know who we are approaching and we know what he wants to do in and through our lives. And this morning what I want to do is I want to help you connect with the Father heart of God so that you can take steps this year, strides this year in your knowledge of him and feel the joy that he longs for you to feel because you have that intimate connection with him. And so the foundation that we looked, on, looked at last week, if you weren't here, here's a small recap. We looked at the beginning of prayer. And I said that prayer at its foundation was this intentionally conveying a message to God. It doesn't have to be speech. It doesn't have to be words. It's, it can be just groanings. It can be tears, but it's an intentional conveying of a message 
to God and that Jesus, he stands at the door of our lives and he, he knocks and each one of us has the opportunity to open up that door and grant him access to our lives. And in that way, prayer, you know, it, it, its foundation, its, its core is more of this direction, granting God access to our lives than the many words that, that we share. And the attitude that helps bring us there, the place that we get to that helps us open up that door. If you remember, this is audience participation, if you remember, what, what was it? What is the attitude that kind of opens it up? Anybody? Humility and helplessness. Weakness. See, because when I'm weak, then we get to see the display of God in our lives. The foundation of prayer is helplessness. It is, Father, I need you. I need you. And God longs to meet our needs. And, and our cries for help and our confession of our weakness, it's the starting point, it's the beginning point of prayer. Because only then will we see the mighty strength and the inexhaustible loving character of God do great things in us and through us. And that is the foundation that we are building on today, that we are inescapably needy. So let us pause and let me lead you into a, a simple prayer. And would you pray with me? And I'm going to ask if you would, um, if you would do this. If not, that's okay. But I ask if you would do this. If you would just kind of place your hands out in front of you. And the reason why I want you to do this is that this type of posture is, it's symbolic of two things. First, it's symbolic that, that whatever you are holding on to this morning, whatever thing that you're wrestling with, um, whatever it is that, that has kind of gripped you, that you can release that. You picture releasing that. But secondly, it helps us remember that God is the one who graciously gives us all things. And that we are needy. We are only always receivers in the, his kingdom. That God may, by doing this, place in our hands what we need. And so we are coming and asking God to meet us here and to come fill this place because we need him. Would you pray with me, Lord? Father, would you speak to us this morning? God, would you fill us? hope. God, would we come under the, the shadow of your mighty wings, your protection. God, would you move us towards intimacy with you. Lord, I know that you're here and that you long to do good to us. And so, Lord, we just we tell you that we need you. Speak, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In order to understand the relational intimacy that, John, that Jesus longs to have um, with us and that he longs for us to have with him, we need to understand what the purposes of God are in prayer when we come to him. And so Jesus is very... Um, 
succinctly, he, he says this. He instructed his disciples this. He said this in Matthew 6. When you pray, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And from this, it reveals to us a couple of things uh, to us. This short little passage reveals to us a couple of things as it relates to prayer. First, that even before you go to God, even before you open up your heart, even before any of all that, even before you even utter a word, even before anything, your Father knows what you need. Just let that sink in. Pause and listen to that. He knows what you need. I hope you can find this incredibly comforting. Before you say a word, he already knows what you need. And this centers, this whole idea centers us on the rest of the Lord's prayer. There's a reason, I think, why Jesus communicated that. It tells us then what the purpose of prayer is. It reveals to us the why of prayer. God knows what you need, therefore pray this. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Set apart be your name. If your Father knows what you need, then our prayer begins as a petition that that name of God would be glorified in our lives. And Jesus wants us then to know this. This is the why. That God does everything in our life. Everything in our life to glorify his name. God does everything in our life so that his name would be great lifted up. And so when we couple those together, we can say that the beginning of prayer is coming to God with weakness. And the purpose of our prayers is that his name would be great in our life. And what God means to do in your life is to just make his name Great. So that when people look at you, so that when they see who you are, they see the work of God in your life. This means that our, our prayers of petitions and, and supplication, that everything that we ask of him, we can then lay to rest. We can rest in this. We can say like this, Lord, if it be your will, in order that your name be magnified, glorified, God, do this thing. If it glorifies your name, God, please do this thing. That your, your name in my life, your name in, in, on my dorm floor, your name in this church, your name on this campus, your name in this world, God, make it great. And so Jesus is instructing us to pray like this. Our Father, make your name great. Make your name great. And this would be the purpose of God. This is the purpose of God in your life, that, that God's name would be lifted up. And we need to know this 
We, Jesus gives us this instruction so that we don't go on and on and on and on and on, not trusting that he hears and cares about us. He does care about you. He knows what you need, even before you ask him. And we need to know this and remember this because sometimes our prayers and our petitions and when we come to God, our pleadings, it, it seems like it just falls flat. I mean, have you had that where something, man, you've been praying for or asking for it? It seems like, God, are you even listening to me? Can you even hear me? But your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. You don't even see what's happening in the background. God is doing something to weave together something beautiful. And this confidence gives us peace of mind in the midst of all of our trials. Let me show you a couple places in Scripture that support this, that the Father's name must be glorified. First, help you see, this was the goal of Jesus, of his life. After entering Jerusalem, he says this in John 12. He says, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? In our trials, you know, God, just spare me. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it and I will glorify it. Again, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. In the letters of Paul, they kind of carries this theme that, that when we come to God in prayer, that the purpose and the goal that God is working towards is that His name would be lifted up, would be high in your life. Paul writes, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink, and I love this, whatever you do, right, that's anything, do it all for the glory of God. So that's the purpose of God in our lives is that in our relationship with him, that he would be working so intimately, so, so skillfully, that he allows us to experience him as the great help in times of trouble, so that his name would be great in our lives. So what do our prayers look like then? If we say, God, I, you already know what, what I need, and, and so Lord, would your name be great in this, in this circumstance, God? But what do our prayers look like? Can, can we still petition him? But may, maybe our prayers look like this. The year was 1540. Martin Luther's dear friend, Frederick Maconius, became deathly sick. He himself expected that he would die in a very short time. And one night, while on his um, near, near death with a trembling hand, he wrote a goodbye letter to Luther, whom he loved. And when Luther received this letter, he immediately penned back the following reply. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. When Myconius received the letter, he was close to death, but in a short time he regained his health. He worked with Martin Luther, and he survived him by two months. 
And when we learn to pray like this, that in every way the name of God would be glorified, we can boldly come before him and ask him, and our hearts can rest in God's provisions for us because we're not necessarily only seeking our benefit and our good. We want to seek the good of what God can do in and through us. And so we bring our our heart to God, big or small, giving Jesus access to our lives. We can have peace about our situation because the Father knows everything we need. And it's not about, God, I, I want this so that, you know, I can feel better. It's not about our personal comfort that Jesus teaches us to pray that his name would be lifted up and glorified, but it's for his glory that in our weakness, God would be strong. And, but there's so many of us and we come to hardship, we just want to get out of it. You know, we, we, come, we come to this hard place and we just want everything we can to just, get, just be done with it, not realizing that God is truly at work in and amidst our circumstances. And therefore, when our prayers go unanswered, um, we, we ask that God would make his name great. When it seems like God's not listening, we go back and just say, Lord, I know you know what I need. And what I need the most is that your name would be glorified so that my life would be changed, so that I would trust in you, so that I could have this deep confidence that you are at work in my life and that you are doing things that will bring you glory. And so I want to help you then show you how to connect with God in, in your time with him. Over the next month, consider Consider praying your prayers like this. Father, I need you. Do this thing, whatever it is. Do that thing. Father, I need you. Would you, Lord, would you, would you, would you help me reach out to this person? Would you, would you help me feel better? Would you, would you bring some friends? Whatever it is, Father, I need you. Would you do these things in order to glorify you? You see, this is the purpose of God in your life. I want you to know him so that you can have intimacy with him. He wants you to experience him as he is. You see, the better you know someone, the easier it is to feel connected to him. But then Jesus goes on. He gives us more direction. He says, bring our requests to the Father. Bring your requests in order that his name may be glorified and do this because of Jesus. John 16, 24, Jesus says this, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be full. He says, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. See, up to this point, as he's communicating with the disciples, the disciples have never sought the will of God in the name of Jesus. Nobody had ever uttered that phrase or thought about that concept in, in the history of the world. They've never, nobody ever prayed in the name of Jesus. Nobody brought the request to the Lord or to Adonai or to Yahweh in the name of Jesus, the one who saves. Nobody had ever done that. And so essentially Jesus is saying this, pray to your father, bring your weaknesses, open up your heart and your needs to him. Give me access to your life. I know everything you need and, and, and pray this in my name because I've made, I have made a way for you to know who God is. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is lifted up in our lives because the Father, through Christ, has given us that access through the Son. 
And so Jesus is now instructing his disciples that when you pray to the Father, do it all in the name of Jesus because I paid the price to tear the curtain in two, the veil that separated us so that you can have intimacy with the Father. And we want people to know the power of God. The power of God that he gives us comes only through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's as if what God the Father does to glorify his name, he shines a bright spotlight on Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, I only do what you tell me. This is the great king. I work in obedience with him, and there's this mutual submission going on. But God wants us to come only through the name of Jesus. But there's something else going on here in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 that is the heart of every one of our prayers. It's the foundation of this connection with God, and sometimes we don't see it, or sometimes it just seems too familiar to us that we kind of pass over it. And for some here, it's a challenge because it describes maybe some of your deep wounds, perhaps. But this foundation that Jesus is establishing, that we come to the the Father asking that his name be glorified through the name of Jesus because of what Jesus did. It's summed up in one extraordinary word. Father. Father. You see, the disciples had grown up with many helpful and very true pictures about who God is. But this is new. This was new. And this was intimate. This past week in Corners, we, we talked about transcendence. God is outside of time and space. And anybody remember the word? Say it. Imminence. God present with you. God coming, being with you. This is that type of nearness of Jesus himself. Emmanuel, God with us. Father. You see, the disciples before that, they had many names for God. Many names for God. He is Atik Yom. He's the ancient of days. El El Yon, the God most high. El Olom, the everlasting God. El Roy, the God who sees. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Elohim, the creator, Yahweh, the self-existent one, Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. Father is new, familial, it's closed. Jesus leads us to come to God as Father. And what is a father like? You see, our, our culture's idea of manhood is this. We tell young men to be tough on the outside, soft in the middle, like Buddha. Our culture says, man, you got to be tough. You don't look tough enough, you know, grow a beard, all right? You got to be tough. But when you look at who Jesus is, the exact reputation, uh, representation of the Father, this is what we see. It's completely the other way around. On the outside, Jesus was approachable. On the outside, he was soft. On the outside, he was inviting. On the outside, you knew you could come to him. 
But on the inside was steely resolve. On the inside, he was unmovable. He was whole. This is the picture of the father that we have, that he's approachable, that he's tender and strong. And this just isn't a New Testament idea or, idea or picture. This is Jesus continuing to push forward the true heart of God. And Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is the heart of God for you. Can you, are you able to open yourself up and just hear that right now, that this is God's word for you? This is his heart for you, that you would draw near to him? And if you need to just open your hands again, just take a deep breath and listen, the Lord your God, this is Yahweh Elohai, the self-existent creator, the Lord your God, the self-existent creator, transcendence, is in your midst a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. What is a father like? This uh, last weekend, we dropped our daughter off at Wheaton College. And Saturday night, uh, she was going to do some things with uh, like the other freshmen, kind of like a small, quad, not quad day, but um, what, what is Quadcella, yeah, thank you. Kind of like a small quadcella, right? And um, so it was this big freshman event, but the parents were going to gather that evening for prayer for, for our kids. And so standing in the parking lot before we departed, I, I gathered my family together and I placed my hands on Jillian's head and I prayed for her and I asked for God's blessing over her, releasing her to the Lord and just acknowledging that she's been on loan to us for 18 years, but she's always been the Lord's. He loves her even more than I do. And then the parents went to a prayer time. And there were maybe, I don't know, eight to 900, you know, parents gathered there. And the chaplain shared about, uh, of all the things that are these students, that these students can learn in, in school. This is what we want them to know. We want them to know that they are beloved of God, agapitos. And after worship and, and that, that teaching, he opened up the floor. There were two microphones in the aisles, and he opened up the floor to any parent who wanted to pray Scripture, publicly read Scripture and pray it over um, the, the, their, their kids. And as soon as he released the parents into those aisles, immediately 100-plus fathers just stood up. I remember turning to Michelle. We noticed it immediately. Look at the dads. The dads who love their kids. And for 30 to 40 minutes, there were some moms there as well. The word was publicly shared and prayed over our kids. And that is the picture of a good father. And so Jesus taught us that when we come to him, we, we come, when, we, when we enter into his presence, we enter into, into his presence with our helplessness, we, with our weakness as a child does to his father. And when we grant Jesus access to our lives, we bring our hearts and all of our anxieties, we reach up and grab his hand because he knows what we need. 
D.A. Carson has this really helpful thing to, to say. Of the various models that usefully capture prayer, the model of a personal relationship with a father is as helpful as any. If a boy asks his father for several things, all within the father's power to give, the father may give him one of them right away, delay giving him another, decline to give him a third, set up a condition for a fourth. The child is not assured of receiving something because he has used the right incantation. That would be magic. The father may decline to give something because he knows it is not in the child's best interest. He may delay giving something else. <clears throat> giving something else because he knows that so many requests from his young son are temporary and whimsical. He may also withhold something that he knows the child needs until the child asks for it in an appropriate way. But above all, the wise father is more interested in a relationship with his son than in merely giving him things. Giving him things constitutes part of that relationship, but certainly not all of it. The father and son may enjoy simply going out for walks together, and often the son will talk with his father, not to obtain something or even to find out something, but simply because he likes to be with him. You see, the better you know someone, the easier it is to feel connected to them. I heard this story from a father recently. He was in his home office when his youngest, who knew that he wasn't, you know, to interrupt his dad when his dad was in the office, um, he came to the door and he looked at his dad with these, as he described it, with these big, you know, round eyes. And the dad could see that his conscience was, conscience was troubling him. Um, but he, the, the boy, young boy said very kindly, Daddy, I will sit here the whole time if you would just let me be in here with you. That request, when it lands on the heart, the father heart of that dad, who would ever deny their son that opportunity? The essence of prayer, the beginning of prayer is this opening of a door of our life, giving God ac access to our lives. It's this helplessness, our weakness, where we meet God, we meet his strength, we meet his goodness, we meet all of him because he wants to be a good father. He wants to show us what a really good father he is. And we come to him in the name of Jesus so that his will would be done in our lives, so that we would trust in his goodness for us, so that he would make his name great no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And so for some of us, you know, our, our prayer lives are rich connections currently. Like, like I, we love going on long walks with God. We love just being in his presence. We love just having the word wash over us. We feel the richness of that intimacy and relationship. It's a time of refreshment, but it's also a time of wrestling, you know, doing the work of prayer. You know, that, that, that perseverance of prayer that, you know, brings us to our knees and brings our heart to Him. And we're going to talk more next week about forms of prayer and kind of prayer as, as hard work. We're going to look at that next week. But some of you, you, you are hearing from God, and He is beginning to transform and change your life, and, and you are kind of living out of the freedom of His, his grace that He's given you. And some of you, you're, you're here and you're like, I want a deeper connection with God. Like, I want to know Him. And you long for that intimacy that He, he created for you to have. 
you've come to a place where you have turned from sin to a savior over sin. You've placed trust in Jesus. There has been a real turning and conversion in, in your life, but you feel stuck. Like, God, you just, you're quiet right now in my life. Maybe even you feel the silence of God, but let me offer you a very practical um, aid, help. Find some time soon. Carve out maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes, and bookmark Psalm 139, 23, and 24. If you feel like you're stuck or that God is silent, then I just carve out some time. Bookmark Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says this. Search me. Oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. Maybe this week or next, you just carve out some time and be silent before him. Let him lead you. Let him bring the things to mind that he is speaking to you about. Because he is. What is that thing or things in your life that God has been talking to you about? See, my, my God wants to lead you to a place where you find real rest, where, where you experience his, his grace. He wants to conform you to the character of Jesus for your joy, for his glory, that that beautiful work of grace might flow through you. But maybe even now, He's speaking. You know that thing that he's been communicating to you and showing you. And sometimes we hear the silence of God in a lot of other areas because he's been speaking to us consistently about this one thing and we haven't been listening. And you know it, you hear it, but you haven't responded and, and he, he's he lovingly just kind of pointing it out. Like, I, I want you to address this in your life. I want you to get real with this in your life. But we, and we keep going to him about other things. And in his love, he's waiting for you to acknowledge his lordship in your life by addressing the very thing that he's been pointing out to you that when we come and bring ourselves before him in silence to Psalm 139, it just gives him an opportunity to, to speak. I've felt this before. On a number of occasions, there have been things that, that God has been pointing out, and, and I have, it's like, um, I, I, I'm not listening. But he just, he keeps trying to communicate, you know, the, the one thing. And I'm like, yeah, but, but what about all these other things? And then I, I fail to have that intimacy because I'm not listening. Um, I, I've gone to God at times where there's stuff in my life that he's brought up, and I'm kind of like the woman in this video we're going to see. You know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and... I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. 
Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't. Try to see things my way. You guys seen that before? Some of you okay? All my sweaters are snagged. <laughs> right. So God's been pointing out that one thing in my life, and I'm like, no, God, all these other things voice has been consistent. And we, when we quiet ourselves like this and we surrender to what God is doing, this is the best opportunity that God is going to take to be able to speak to us seriously. But when we hear his voice and we harden our hearts to it, when we do that, and we harden our hearts, we shouldn't assume that there's going to be more that he's going to point out and show you. Because if God is directing and pointing out areas in your life where he, he wants you to grow, and you close your life up to this single point, you've shut your heart to Jesus. And, and if you continue to pray, asking God for, for what? He, he's already spoken to you. He, he's already communicated something to you. But all your requests are in vain because you've completely shut your door to the thing that he has been telling you. So here's the invitation. Will you no longer refuse to listen to his voice? If God is speaking to you, will you get yourself in a place where you no longer refuse to listen to his voice? Will you acknowledge whatever it is? Acknowledge what, whatever grievous thing, the writer of the psalm says. Would you admit and, and, and confess maybe the sin in your life that you've excused and even defended. And here's a promise. Here's a promise for you. You can count on this promise. Romans 8.32 For he, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he along with him graciously give us all things. I memorized it in the NIV. I think it says it a little differently up there, right? Romans 8, here's the promise. Here's, here it is. Okay? For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he along with him graciously give us all things? You can trust that. God is working for your good. But maybe you're here this morning and you've, you haven't come to a point in your life where there's been this 
personal encounter with Jesus where there's been total trust and surrender to him. You know, Jesus says it this way in John 14, 6. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you realize that maybe your lips have prayed to God before. Maybe you've even said the name of Jesus, but your heart isn't in alignment with him because you've, you've never really laid down your, your life before him. You don't know him personally. You've never yielded your, your life to him. You, you look at the cross and it's not a place where you weep over your rebellion and you find joy in God's solution. And you, you kind of hear the, the rap, rap, rap of Jesus calling you to come to lose your life. I mean, Jesus said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, the heart of Christianity isn't about doing it's not about like doing all these things so that you get God's attention so that he would then kind of say, you're, you're, you're fine by me. Either you will pay for your sin because you think that you need to be good enough and do good enough for God. It's a self-righteousness. That is what God is calling us to lay down. Or the cross is about Jesus paying the price. It's the way to the Father's heart. You let him pay for your rebellion on the cross. And what he does is then he makes you spiritually alive. Alive to God and alive to him that you would live for him alone. And I was 19 when I came to that realization and conclusion and surrendered my life to Christ. Maybe this would be the first time that you can come and pray to God in the, in the name of Jesus because he is granted access to him for you. Maybe you're hearing this and you're like, I, I don't understand that exactly. Come and talk to me. I would love to talk with you. But God as Father, He wants you to know Him and His desires that you might have the joy of being connected to Him. Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father, a good Father in the name of Jesus because He knows what you need even before you ask Him so that you can come under the shadow of his mighty wings and make a connection with him and have intimacy with him. And next week, we're gonna look at the types of prayer and what to do when prayer be becomes work, wrestling with God. Would you guys stand with me as I close, to, close in prayer here? So Lord, again, the invitation, Lord, is that you would speak God, I open up my heart to you. God, would you give me courage to yield to the places, the things that you have been pointing out? Lord, I trust you as Father in my life that you desire to do good. God, knowing that there is no shame because you took the shame, you scorned shame in the cross, but I can live freely in your grace in the midst of my incompleteness, in the midst of my failures, in the midst of my not yet. And Lord, my unending prayer is that all who are standing here with me would be present, fully alive when you come to judge the living and the dead.
in Christ's name we pray.